You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and you can get it on the brand new podcast app, Himalaya. And when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Pelicans. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at NolaJake on Twitter. Here with you all on this Monday, day after the Pelicans lose a home game pretty badly, but it's to the Houston Rockets, so is it a huge surprise? We'll recap that game, talk about what we saw in that, where the Pelicans go over these next seven games. Then we'll look at a couple of different things. A lot kind of came out over the weekend First and foremost, it was reported on Friday on the Locked On NBA podcast of all places from Sam Amick of The Athletic that the Denver Nuggets actually called the Pelicans inquiring about Anthony Davis. Let's take a look at them as a potential trade partner. And then some news broke in the latter part of the week about the Minnesota Timberwolves. I'm going to tell you guys why their situation of shutting players down doesn't really apply to the Pelicans here, even though everyone wants it to. These are very different things. We'll take a look at that as well. So let's cover it all in today's edition of Locked On Pelicans. All right, it was a 113-90 loss for your New Orleans Pelicans at home to the Houston Rockets. The Rockets who have kind of bounced back after having a rough start to the year. They're good again, and when you make threes like they do and turn the ball over <coughs> as I'm coughing because I've been a little bit sick here, like the Pelicans do, you're not going to win very many games. Pelicans didn't, so that's kind of how this one went, but let's take a deeper look at it. Pelicans were led in this one by guard Frank Jackson, 19 points on the night. That's a team high right there. He was 3 of 8 from deep, 7 of 16 from the field overall. He was very strong in the first half, finishing with 13 points. He hit three threes there. He was 0 for 3 in the second half when he tallied just 6 points. Uh, But what can you do? Uh, They talked about it on the broadcast, and I watched this game from home from being sick, that he's taking a large volume of threes, something that the Pelicans don't really have any other guy who is willing to do that or wants to do that or feels comfortable of doing it or who has the green light, whatever you want to call it, from the coaching staff. Nice to see the young guy just have that green light to launch it. They come in a variety of different ways, off the bounce, off a pull-up, off of um, a kick-out as well. So he's been pretty good and kind of a bright spot for the Pelicans. Still raw, still plays a little too fast at times, but he's been pretty good. And this one, he showed he could handle the rock a little bit more than normal. Eight assists for him on the night. Alfred Payton, just if you want to compare it to that, eight assists for him. Sorry, six assists for Frank Jackson, eight for Alfred Payton, and just four points for the Pelicans' starting point guard. Julius Randle seeing his minutes reduced here. Also, there just wasn't a need to play him a bunch in this game. Just six of 13 from the field, 15 points on the night. Anthony Davis in his usual 21 minutes of action, 12 points. 10 rebounds. He had a nice block. He had a couple of possessions where he really worked on James Harden first, blocking him there at the rim, uh, including a pretty big one, and then drawing the charge on Harden in back-to-back possessions. Still going out and trying and playing hard, which is maybe annoying to people, and we'll talk about that more in the third segment. Kenrich Williams in 25 minutes of action, kind of a quiet night from him, one of five from the field. Did grab seven rebounds. He's got good size. He's got kind of just that uncanny ability to do it. Stanley Johnson, six of eight from the field off the bench in 22 minutes of action, 13 points for him. 
He's maybe going to make a claim to to try and be on this roster, maybe come into training camp if they offer him a qualifying deal. Still doesn't look quite like an NBA player, but at least he's got showing some more than we've seen from him so far this year or in his career, really. This was a little bit interesting because you saw first half minutes for Solomon Hill and wondered what the hell this team was doing. Then you realized it was just six minutes on the night. Ian Clark getting about 12. Guy kind of shared around a little bit since they're lowering the minutes from some of these other guys. Jaleel Okafor, 12 minutes. The newcomer on the team, Christian Wood, three of five from the field in eight minutes, seven points. That's a decent start for him, including one three made. He has, as we talked about on Thursday, a bit of a stretch four in him. If he can accurately space the court, he's got a chance to stay on this team next year. Check Diallo, three of four in nine minutes for six points. They know what they get out of him. I think he's kind of solidified his spot for next year. I don't think they're going to really play him as much. And now we've got seven games left where the Pelicans just kind of go into this young guy mode. I don't think we'll see Drew Holiday again. I don't think you'll see Julius Randle shut down or Anthony Davis necessarily, but you're going to start to see their minutes reduced a little bit more. Maybe Julius Randle gets down to 20. For the Houston Rockets, they basically just buried the Pelicans under a ton of threes. The Pelicans won the points in the paint battle 54 to 38, but Houston hit 21 threes. The Pelicans hit seven. Math will do it to you, and when you have 14 more made threes, that is a significant difference, and that's how basically that team won. Pelicans were also sloppy early on with the ball, basically got in a hole, were never really able to get out of it. The Houston Rockets outscored them 33-19 to in the first half, or sorry, in the first quarter, and that was basically all she wrote, that it was just, how do the young guys do? They did. All right, I think is fair to say in this one, and we move on to the Atlanta Hawks on Tuesday. So before we look at the Denver Nuggets, how they might fare in an Anthony Davis trade situation, you can get the Locked On Pelicans podcast on the brand new podcast app Himalaya, as well as Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. In an ever-expanding podcast world, you need Himalaya with their personally curated playlist. There are probably and I shouldn't say this as a podcast host, too many podcasts out there. It's tough to kind of figure out what you want to listen to. Himalaya can actually figure out based on what you listen to, what you would want to listen to. And it makes really good recommendations that way with their curated playlists. And they add new features in every day. Download Himalaya at your app store and subscribe to the Locked On Pelicans podcast. So on the Friday edition of the Locked On NBA podcast, by the way, listen and subscribe clearly when there's things like this in there. Sam Amick joined the show. He's a regular guest on there. He just pops on on the Wednesday edition that I host as well and talked about the Denver Nuggets and how when Anthony Davis put out his trade request, they were one of the teams that did call the Pelicans. And it's something that they've kind of thought about apparently internally of looking to make a move. I said they might be a dark horse team alongside Toronto. And I've said this in various places. If you were to look for two, but I think it takes a lot to really get him there. I think this call to the Pelicans regarding Anthony Davis in the season here was more just, okay, do any of our young guys intrigue you? Is there any package that we could put together that you would conceivably really think about and consider? I don't think this was them trying to get a deal done for Anthony Davis because probably when they called and the Pelicans said, we want Nikola Jokic. That's going to maybe be the sticking point in this, that they're not going to give up Jokic whatsoever, even for Anthony Davis. They probably rate him higher than Anthony Davis, to be honest, given that it's their own internal guy. But if you can maybe come up with a package of some of these other guys, something could get done. 
The thing is, Denver is really, really good this year. They're actually first in the Western Conference when I'm recording this on Sunday night, a half game up over the Golden State Warriors with a record of 49-22. and That puts them third best in the league as a whole, and they're young. They are a very, very young team that has just room and room to grow. That is, uh, you know, a, a thing when you look at uh, their guys who play the most minutes. You've got Jamal Murray, who averages the most minutes per game. He's 21. Nikola Jokic is 23. Gary Harris, 24. Will Barton, 28. Then you finally get someone in their 30s and Paul Millsap at 5. Then Monte Morris at 23. Malik Beasley at 22. Mason Plumley at 28. Tori Craig at 28. And Juan Hernan Gomez at 23. And then Trey Lyles is also 23. And all those guys are earning 18 or more minutes per game. Those are significant contributors that are just young. And that's not even counting Michael Porter Jr., who was their first-round pick last year, who's not going to play this season. If you're them and you see that you're first in the Western Conference right now and you only have room to grow conceivably, do you really, really want to blow up that roster and cake away maybe three or four of those main guys who are real big contributors to your team and go all in for Anthony Davis? Because it's not like you need Anthony Davis to finish first in the or first or second in the Western Conference right now. They're doing it without him. You know, I look at that and if I were Tim Connolly, their GM, who by the way is former assistant GM here in New Orleans, I don't know if I want to mess with that recipe. But this is where it gets a little bit interesting. We're going to need to see how they do in the playoffs. If they get to a Game 7 against the Warriors in the Western Conference Finals and they lose, and they realize the Warriors are still the Warriors, they might make a move to go all in realizing they're closer than they expected. They're not lose in you know four games, five games to the Warriors. They're closer with that team, and a guy like Anthony Davis could conceivably push him over the edge. So I think whether or not they make a move or make a serious offer to New Orleans for Anthony Davis in the future really comes down to how they do in the playoffs. If they are getting blown out, Maybe not. Maybe you just want to wait and let this young core get a little bit better and take incremental steps rather than push all your chips in right now. If you get really, really close, I think that makes you more a little bit itchy on that trigger to kind of pull it and go after Anthony Davis and make a move. So if Nikola Jokic isn't involved in a trade, what could conceivably work? I think to start, the Pelicans would be asking for a guy like Jamal Murray, and then you'd look at Monty Morris, Malik Beasley, and Michael Porter Jr., along with at least two first-round picks. With with um, Beasley Jr. in there, it's basically three first-round picks, given that he was one last year. So it's three first-round picks, and then a whole bunch of guards. That's, that's, that's what it is here. Whole bunch of guards that are good. And I think that's the starting point. I don't know depending, again, how close Denver would get, if that's what they would go for. But you could conceivably be looking at a deal of maybe you downgrade Jamal Murray to Gary Harris along with Monty Morris, Malik Beasley, Michael Porter Jr. Sorry, not Beasley Jr., Michael Porter Jr., and then two first-round picks. And I think you can at least maybe negotiate it somewhere around there depending on if the Pelicans are including a guy like Solomon Hill or some other filler in there too. And then maybe you adjust out of that. You know, maybe at the very least they're taking back back Gary Harris, Michael Porter Jr., Beasley, and two first-round picks and maybe two second-round picks. You could potentially get it done that way too. I think that's kind of what you'd be looking for and what you could get a deal done. Basically, it could put the Pelicans back into contention. I think the biggest thing there is how does Gary Harris fit 
with a guy like Drew Holiday. Harris is primarily a two guard. You've got Holiday who likes to be off ball. So do you run three guards again? Depending if you don't figure out that wing situation where you'd be running maybe a guy, Alfred Payton, Drew Holiday, and Gary Harris, or does Harris maybe run the second unit depending on if, um, as I blank on his name, Alfred Payton gets re-signed or not? That's kind of the big question. Then what if the Pelicans pick kind of skyrockets up and you get a guy like Ja Morant, who we'll talk about later in the week, and it kind of keeps things open and up in flux. So we'll see how this goes. But their playoff run is really going to determine if they're going to be a big, significant bidder for Anthony Davis. I think it has a potential to happen and make them a dark horse in this kind of race for a trade for AD. But I think it's going to take a specific set of circumstances to get them to that point. Before we get to the Timberwolves, don't forget free agency still going strong in the NFL. Do the Saints have a new tight end yet? Yes or no? We need an update on that big time now that Gronkowski has announced that he is retiring from the New England Patriots. Ross Jackson over at the Locked On Saints podcast has you covered there Monday through Friday, five days a week. Make sure you listen and subscribe to the Locked On Saints podcast. All right, so the Timberwolves, it was announced the other day that they are basically shutting three guys down for the remainder of the regular season. Robert Covington, Derek Rose, and Jeff Teague. And immediately after this came out, I got a couple of people. I'm not here to like criticize people or call anyone out for their what they said to me on Twitter. A lot of people put injured with these three guys in air quotes, scare quotes, whatever you want to call it. And I don't think this is the case. Look. I want Anthony Davis not to play for the Pelicans the rest of the way since the trade demand we all wanted that. I'm with you on this entirely. You know, none of us wanted that to happen. I don't really think the team actually wanted to have this happen. But it is what it is, and there's league rules, and you've got to follow them. And it's that simple. I don't think this was as easy as just standing up to the league and being like, hey, uh, we're, we're going to pay the fine and screw you guys. I think you would have seen other punishments come out, as I've repeatedly said here, on the podcast. There was talk for a couple of weeks of, well, the Lakers should shut LeBron James down. They are officially eliminated from the postseason, so are the Pelicans, and they haven't shut him down for the regular season because you can't just shut a non-injured guy down for the regular season. That's how it goes, let alone these really marquee, marketable stars in Anthony Davis and LeBron James. You know, it's not like other teams are doing things that the Pelicans aren't allowed to do. LeBron James has been playing. He's got some restrictions on it. He's taking a couple games off here and there for load management or whatever. But largely, it's very similar to Anthony Davis. So you're kind of seeing that rule apply to both teams fairly. With the Timberwolves, it's a little bit different. Robert Covington's been out since the beginning of the year, I believe, and hasn't played in months. He's just officially being shut down for the year. He's not. It's not a fake injury, and the Timberwolves didn't pull off some real long con to kind of just lose a couple more games so that they can get a better draft pick. Derek Rose, who's been injured, not injured, and away from the team for personal reasons too this year, had surgery to remove bone chips from his elbow. I don't think he's faking this in his right elbow um, because I don't think you get surgery if you're faking an injury. That seems really dumb, let alone a guy like Rose who takes his rehab and his recovery very seriously and won't come back unless things feel 100, probably over 100% right. So I think you've got to look at that as well. And then Teague's kind of been in and out of the lineup a little bit too with the foot injury that's flared up again and they're shutting him down. I don't think this is teams just shutting guys down to shut guys down. I think this is kind of just 
a fair situation that is going on with the Pelicans uh, and the other teams around the league. So I don't want to run and be like, why can't they shut these guys down? I just think it's been kind of, it is what it is. We know they've got to play him. They're playing him the minimum that they can play Anthony Davis, just like the Lakers are playing LeBron James, the minimum that they can probably play LeBron James. And the Timberwolves have injured guys, so they're going to hold them out. Just like how Drew Holiday's being held up because he has an injury. If AD had an injury, the team would probably shut him down. He doesn't. And you can't just say he has an injury if he doesn't actually have one. And if he says he's not injured, there's not a whole lot that the team can do here. So it's unfortunate that maybe AD's doing this because he wants to be a little bit more spiteful to the team and just say, screw you guys, I'm going to play, which probably has something to do with it. But there's just not much the team can kind of do about it. And I don't think they're being treated unfairly. So I think that's kind of where we stand with this. So it's just sucks. There's only seven more games of this. You know, right now, as I pull up the tankathon, uh, which I don't have up, there we go. Tankathon.com. The Pelicans sit in the ninth spot. They're a couple games ahead of the Lakers. New Orleans is, is now two and eight in their last 10 games. That's pretty good. If you want to be tanking, come in with Atlanta, who will probably beat them on Tuesday night. Uh, they've been playing pretty well recently and we'll see where it goes from here. You know, the Timberwolves actually are two games better than the Pelicans are in the win column right now. So they may or may not pass this team. We'll see how it goes. But ultimately I think this is jockeying for just a few spots and a couple more ping pong balls, which we've seen don't really impact things that much. The year the Pelicans won the lottery, they were supposed to finish four, not three, because they uh, like won or lost, depending on how you look at it, a tiebreaker with the Cavaliers. They actually had the worst record that year. The Cavs end up with the number one overall pick, not the New Orleans Pelicans. So probably a good thing, potentially, depending on how the ping pong balls go, that they are just kind of where they are. So that's why I don't get too worked up over this. So we'll continue to see Anthony Davis play. I think we'll see his minutes maybe reduced a little bit more. Maybe Julius Randle has his minutes reduced a little bit more. And the Pelicans are going to do everything they can just to give minutes to the young guys, barring, you know, and they're not going to kind of break the law here against the NBA. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Pelicans. Got a lot coming this week, by the way. Let me take a look at my list of topics. I want to look at Ja Morant, his opening game in the NCAA tournament. Some other big NCAA games by guys who might be on the Pelicans radar. Avery Johnson out at Alabama. What does it mean? There's also an unbelievable story about David West and the BP oil spill that I can't believe was an actual thing, which makes me laugh and we'll all get a good joke out of that. So more on all all of that and other things throughout the week here on the Locked on Pelicans podcast. So thank you all for listening. Remember, you can subscribe to the show on the new Himalaya podcast app, as well as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and whenever you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Pelicans. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, and I'll be back with you all tomorrow.